The New Yorker. It is not the ordinary person who would eagerly await a visitor such as this, who, for a few hours each week, would put aside career, hobbies, health club, and do something that is rare today. Read. The New Yorker. It begins with an insider's guide to what's happening in movies, theater, music, dance, and art. Add to that the best fiction, nonfiction, and poetry of our time, previewed in the New Yorker sometimes months in advance. And throughout it all, you get laughter. Those legendary New Yorker cartoons. Call now and get 52 weekly issues of the New Yorker for just $25.95. Save more than $50 off the $78 cover price. Also, get this New Yorker cartoon sampler book free. At a price like this, you may even want to order two. Call 1-800-874-8000. 1-800-874-8000. Patrick. Yes. Good to have you back on the podcast, my friend. It's nice to be back. Thank you. Um, 2019, how's it been so far for you? Wow, it started off really interesting. Yeah? Yeah. How so? Mom bought a new car. <laughs> oh, wow. What does that mean for you? Well, it's inspiration, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, it means I might still be able to get one. You know, Do you have a driver's might. license? Not at all. You don't? Not at all. You never got one? No. Really? Not at How all. How have we never talked about this? I don't have a driver's license either. It just never came up. Really? Yeah, I've been a cyclist all my life. Wow. Did you know that I had never got a driver's no, license? No, I didn't. I failed my test four times. What? Four yeah, times. four times. Oh. Isn't that some shit? Oh. But that's how you know you're a real New Yorker if you don't have your driver's license. Yeah, but the fail a test four times. <laughs> that's another story. I failed, I failed my test three times while I was in <laughs> L.A. Because okay. the, the reason why I kept trying to get my license was because I was living in L.A. for a little bit pre-Uber. Well, you need a car. Yeah, right? and I failed three times. Um, so I was finally like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to move back to New York. So I, it was a blessing in disguise that I failed my, those tests. Yeah, I guess Because so. if I didn't, there's a really good chance that I'd still be in L.A. Man. Uh, being a lazy piece of garbage. And I'll still be an unknown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whoa. What? Hey. No, you'd be you'd be known. No. You're Tiger Hood, man. Man. So what, what, what is it? You were nervous in the car? What did, what did it? I don't know. I really don't know. Wow. I really don't know. I mean, I, I'd, I'd like to say that... Um, they had something against me. They were out to get me or something. But yeah. realistically, I probably just—I I don't know, man. I'm just not a—I'm not a good driver. I'm not gonna act like I, I am. I tell you what, I'm amazed at some of these drivers because they know exactly where every inch of that car is, man. Yeah. Without the cameras, now I'm talking yeah. about, you know, yeah. the good ones, yeah. you know. Um, but it's good to see you. I Thank feel you. like I've been seeing you every day because I have been editing your documentary, mm. um, which funny. I haven't spoken about publicly yet. Uh, so. Here, here, here it is, guys. Cat's out of the bag. Tiger's out of the bag. Yeah. Uh, we got a, a, a big tiger documentary coming soon to follow up my Big Mike Takes Lunch film. Um, <laughs> in, in conjunction with the film, uh, we are going to have uh, an art show for Tiger as well. He's going to display some of his best photographs from the past 20, 25 years. Um, it's going to be something really, really special. Really excited for it. Um, me too. You know, no one, no one, no one deserves a documentary more than this guy. Mm. So, thank you. Yep. It's a good start. It's a good start to a year, stoked, man. man. For good real. start yeah. to a year. Yeah. So, Tiger's co-hosting with me today, um, but he's not the main guest. Mm-mm. The main guest mm-hmm. is, ladies and gentlemen, drum roll. Da-da-da-da. Roz Chast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, Roz Chast. How many of you guys know who Roz Chast is? listening right now raise your hand if you do if your hand is down you need to do your research my friends yeah yeah they do Roz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do mm-hmm. Roz is hmm. 
my favorite cartoonist in New York City, if not the entire world. I mean that. Well, of course, you only know three cartoonists. I know many so cartoonists. Yeah. And you are my favorite. Roz's cartoons. What, guys, while you listen to our beautiful voices, why don't you Google Roz Chast and take a look at her cartoons? Because they are something special, I will tell you. Um, I like to say that, that Roz is kind of New York personified. Her attitude um, and the way she writes and captures these moments are so New York. It's not like the, the tourist version of New York. It's like a real New Yorker's New York. I have some of her fi- my favorite cartoons of hers right here. Um, I don't know how it's going to translate uh, since you can't see a visual of it, but some of my favorite cartoons of Roz Chess include Pigeon Little, which I know is your favorite cartoon as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You that. Yeah. Can, you, can you describe the Pigeon Little cartoon? Well, there's, first of all, I have to preface this by saying that there's nothing like cartoons on the radio. Mm. <laughs> I don't think anything like really compares to that, but um, Pigeon Little is uh, ran in the New Yorker. It's l- l- it's a, in some ways a uh, okay. I'll just describe it. Just um, describe it. It's a pigeon walking along the street, and you know the story of Chicken Little. The sky is falling. So this is Pigeon Little, and Pigeon Little is walking along like just some grimy street, and he's like, "The sky is falling. The sky is oh look, part of a bagel," <laughs> and uh, you know he just gets off track yeah. basically. I wonder if that translated. To probably those who've never seen it before. Probably not. I, I mean, think a, ca- a cartoon... It's good to hear your voice. It's good to hear your pigeon voice. The, the thing about cartoons that's so great, though, is that they are... And, and I think this is what attracted me so much to the medium of cartooning, is that it's writing and it's also drawing. Mm. So there's... Cartoons always have... That's, that's what they are. They're like this uh, um, sort of nexus of the visual and the verbal. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully also the funny. Right. So it's hard to, hard to describe what it is on a, on a radio sure. program. <laughs> well, here's another one that I like that might translate a little bit better. Um, I don't know what this was for, but I saw it at your opening um, a couple weeks ago. It was the New York Palette. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, can you explain that one? Um, this was done for, I think it was called Color Factory or something. And... Um, they had asked me to come up with some New York colors. So I have this palette, um, and I came up with colors with names. We have schmutz, which is kind of like a darkish, sort of grayish kind of color. And basically, that's what accumulates on your windowsill. Like, you, the day before, you saw some schmutz on your windowsill, and you cleaned it off. And then the next day, you wake up, and it, that's what's on your windowsill. <laughs> Concrete, which is a sort of uh, the average color of what's under your feet. Subway tile. You know that kind of yellowish, like, I wouldn't quite call it ivory because that makes it seem too mm-hmm. nice. It's this kind of yellowish color of subway tile. Espresso, crushed hopes, dirty <laughs> water dog. What's, wait, what crushed hopes? Crushed what hopes is a kind of grayish violet kind of color. <laughs> Just what I thought of is, you know... That's that's crushed hopes uh-huh. right there. Uh, dirty water dog. That's mm. when I was growing up in Brooklyn. That's what we called the like the the hot dogs in the cart with the oh, water. Right, yeah, yeah. Dirty water dogs. Um, mm. So that's a kind of like hot dogish kind of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, Midtown. That is another shade of gray. Schadenfreude, uh, which is of course green envy. Um, but Schadenfreude is um, for I'm sure your listeners know what it is. But for those who don't. 
it's not just envy. It's kind of like happiness at the unhappiness of your enemies. Mm. Um, August breeze. That's like you're walking down Canal Street and it's been in the 90s for days and it's just, you know, suddenly there's a warm breeze and that's the smell of that. Gowanus, that is, of course, a, another weird greenish-yellowish-gray. <laughs> um, my favorite quote about the Gowanus Canal comes from this wonderful writer, Elizabeth Royt, who said, it's the only body of water on Earth that's 90% guns. <laughs> um, and taxi, of course, that's a certain shade of yellow. Uh-huh. And then the last one is, uh, it's just a dark, dark black, and it's called Heart of Darkness. Mm. Uh, which I think to survive here to a certain extent, you need to have a little bit of that right. in your heart. Right. Um, anyway. You don't seem to have a heart of darkness at all. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. It's well, there. It's interesting because you, as, as, as Roz Chast, you're so like bubbly and lovely. Your work is very dark. Well, it's very, there. Some of it is very twisted. Oh, thank you. Right? Uh, thank you, I <laughs> think. Is that a compliment? No, I no, mean... No, it is, the, yeah. it is. I mean, I, I think all, you know, humor, if it doesn't have, you know, darkness in it, then what do you have? You have a seal balancing a ball on its nose or right. something. You have a Hallmark card. Mm. You know, you have people saying, Oh, that's, that's mean. That mm-hmm. joke is mean. And, and, you know, there's something about humor, which is, I, I think Tina Fey said... For her being female and being funny, it was a way of sort of uh, getting out these feelings, but also it being couched in, you know, humor, mm. um, which takes a little bit of the edge off, right, I think, right. or it hides it at least. Right. Yeah. Some of the some of the cartoons <laughs> that that I feel like exemplify that are uh, the little engine that coulda woulda shoulda. Yeah. Uh, you have an illustration of a little little tank engine. And he's thinking to himself, I knew I could, so why didn't I? And he's got a little frown. Yeah, there's... Very dark. Yeah, mm. yeah. But it's But also very cute and very true. Yeah, c- cute and dark. Right. That's okay. And that's why I, th- I said uh, Ross Chass is New York personified, because I feel like you really capture that that New York state of mind, you know? At least, at least I can relate to that, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm a New York Jew, I have anxiety, I'm pretty neurotic, so I can relate to your... Well, we were talking. We were talking earlier about the driving thing. Mm. I mean, I so relate to that. Do you drive? I got a driver's license at 38 when I moved out of the city. I I have hope. Oh my God, I I hate cars. Mm. I just can't bear them. And one of the supreme delights for me in being in New York is that I never have to deal with a car. Right. Um, I think for people who grew up in the city. Learning the subway system was, that was, you know, the coming of age thing. The same way, like, when you were a kid in the suburbs, getting a car and learning how to drive was. I mean, that was just not something I did at all when I was a young person. But learning the subway was, that was the equivalent. Sure. I mean, yeah, for me, I, I just... I don't see the need to drive. There's never been a, an instance where I've needed a driver's license. I've needed to, you know. Oh, it's awful. I always, I, there's always a friend that I can mooch off of, you know. Well, th- when you when you grow, if you if you get older and if you marry and you have kids yeah. and if you move to a, a place where mm. there's no public transportation. Sure. Yeah. Well, why would we want to do that? Yeah, why would you want to do that? Well, you did that. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, so for those who don't know, Roz moved to 
to Connecticut, what, 20 years ago? Oh, uh, in 1990. Right. So it was a while. Mm. More, more like close to 30 years ago. Right. Yeah. Right. That's a bad um, commute. It was, but you still yeah. consider yourself a New Yorker, Oh, very, uh, totally. You still totally. have a place here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I... I never really felt comfortable there. I think for a lot of a lot of it was because of the driving thing. Mm. Like, you know, somebody would say, "Oh, there's like a really nice like orchard down on like you know Route and it would be like, "Oh, that sounds really great." And I would never want to go because I only drive within pretty much the limits of the town where I live right. because I have even with the GPS. I mean the the. I have so many different driving phobias that it would be very boring to go into all of them. But they it's like getting a flat tire. What would you do? <gasps> bad, very what would bad. You AAA. What on earth? Very, AAA. very bad. Call AAA. Oh, that, but then, 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 then you what have do to you deal do? with AAA. Then you have to deal with AAA. Then you have to what? You, do you know, like pull how much are you going to tip these guys? And like what happens when you get? I mean, I oh, it, it's just so complicated uh, and bad. I like mean, the, the worst, the worst, the yeah. worst, the worst of the worst. And this might just be my biggest fear in general. Is like getting into an accident with someone and figuring out you know whose fault it was and how you're going to handle this and this and that you know also got to make sure they're not going to hit you with a baseball bat like yes that's that's so bad (laughs) it's so bad it is there are so that is why i never want to drive i I used to to be afraid and i still am on a lesser level of the steering wheel coming off in my hands oh shit yeah or because that and that's unrealistic but i have heard stories of brakes failing and that's another and i've heard like the details of it of like yeah i was driving and i tried to hit the brake and then the brake brake pedal sank all the way down i mean i i shouldn't even say this then it sank all the way down to the floor and i realized there was no brake and that terrifies me oh every God. time i get into the fucking car i think what are the chances that it's it's probably there are so many different things that could go wrong it's not just the brake thing. There's tons of things that could go wrong. Right. So I totally don't trust the mechanism. Right. You know. You just got to maintain it, you know? Yeah, you just <laughs> yeah, have to. Yeah, them. just. But in that brake fluid. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. I don't, I don't, I can't even put gas in my car. My husband does it because I'm afraid of getting gas on my hands yeah. or of the of somehow it exploding. I mean, it's just. It's happened. It's a very, it's being in the city for me makes me feel calmer mm. in a lot of ways than being out of the city right uh there are just less uh i mean yeah there are scary things i mean i, I am afraid of masonry falling off of buildings and things like that yeah. but but in the country you got bugs oh my you god ticks ticks, you ticks have, yes you know there's dogs there's branches can fall off a tree i mean especially in the winter wait you're f- afraid of dogs i don't really a big like unknown big dogs not crazy. Oh. Not crazy about it. I mean, I'm, I'm not. Oh, well it's you're, not a bird, like you're a bird person. I'm a bird person. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. love, I love your birds so much. Yeah. So I'm you never drove to work. You took no. the railroad in. Oh no! I one time I drove into New York. One time. No, I take the train in. <laughs> yeah. I take the train in. Um, I wish that one time was documented. <laughs> it it was so so terrifying. It was when I was dealing with my parents' apartment, uh-huh. and uh, you, my my husband had driven me in like three times and he was like I'm done with this if you want to go in drive yourself so and this was when my parents I had moved them out of their apartment they were in a nursing home up near me in Connecticut and mm-hmm. but they still had this apartment that was crammed with 50 years worth of stuff because they saved everything it was a four room apartment in the middle of Brooklyn Flatbush and driving in like I had the GPS and so things were like you know I felt like 
I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Like, look at me, everybody. I'm actually doing this. And, and then suddenly, I don't know what happened. I had actually gotten to Brooklyn, and I was feeling so happy about that. But then suddenly, I was on a ramp that was going up to a bridge. Mm. And I did not know what bridge Uh-oh. I was on or where it was going. I didn't know, am I going to Brooklyn? I mean, I'm, not Brooklyn, obviously. I was in Brooklyn. Am I going to Manhattan? Am I going to New Jersey? Am I going to Staten Island? I have no idea where I'm going. This is a fucking nightmare. And I was, you know, I was ready to, I swear to God, like decompensate in the middle of the bridge and just say, I can't do this. But I just kind of, you know, held it together. And it turned out I was, I think, on the Manhattan Bridge. I wound up on Canal Street. Let's go. Which was a nightmare. And I just thought, like, I will, GPS, I will do everything you tell me to do to just get back into Brooklyn. Mm. And and I wound up, and it, after that, I never, never did it again. Wow. Well, you're lucky. You could have been on a Verrazano. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then yeah, Staten imagine Island. Being in Staten Island. You would have been stuck there forever. I know. I thought <laughs> of that. Before GPS, when I would get lost, I would think, now I'm going to have to rent an mm. apartment here. Oh, God. <laughs> because, you know, I once got lost. I was in Norwalk, uh-huh. Connecticut, which is not too far from where I am. But I thought, I'm going to have to get an apartment here. I don't see myself getting back to where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is impossible. I couldn't get out. It was like every place I went, I like wound up in the same place. And it was just like, well, I, I, I'm pretty much close so to giving it's up. It's funny. That story, it sounds like it could be a Roz Chass cartoon. Yeah. It do, c- do a lot of your cartoons come from uh, things that have happened in your life? Uh, some of them do. Yeah. 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 I mean, me funny example? things do happen. Um, oh, God. Uh, oh, I did a cartoon once um, about I was uh, in a diner and um, I'm trying to think of like what happened. It was uh, they served me my food and there was a cockroach in it. Mm. And um And the guy took off of the, they replaced the eggs, but then they took, instead of just giving me free eggs, they took something like a weird sum, like (laughs) $2.75 off of the eggs. Yeah, that's how much the cockroach cost. I couldn't figure it out. Like how, like they came upon this figure of like $2.75. It means that it's definitely happened before. (laughs) 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 That's the cockroach (laughs) removal surcharge. That's crazy. So that turned into a comic or a a cartoon? That was a cartoon. Uh, But yeah, I've had, I've had things like that. So where did the majority of your ideas come from? Oh God. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sure you get asked that question all the time, but. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, things seem funny sometimes. Mm. So I think a lot of it is, and probably all cartoonists would say this is just like, you know, you just sit at your desk. Right. You know. So you're sitting at your desk thinking and not, yeah. you know, walking on the street kind of looking for things. That too. I mean, I write stuff down all the time. I carry a little, you know, notebook or piece of paper with me and jot ideas down. And do you have one of those pieces of paper with you now? I do, in fact. Can you read it? No, couple? I can't. No, why not? No. You read, when, when I filmed you Oh, for that, yeah, you saw those so little great. pieces of paper. Yeah. yeah. Nah, I, I, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I write things down, and uh-huh. then sometimes things come from that, and sometimes, you know, while I'm sitting there and I'm looking at those I- ideas, it'll spur something else. So. Do you have a notepad uh, by your bedside table? I do, I do. So yeah. just in case you dream about yeah, something funny, yeah. you can write it down. Oh, I've I've had a lot of really 
s- not a lot, but I sometimes have really stupid cartoon ideas in dreams. Oh, man. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but none of them have ever come close to, like, actually really? becoming a cartoon. But, like, they're... I think that dream logic is something that's very different totally. from... You know, I mean, one time I had a, a dream th- of a cartoon idea that I thought was, like, the funniest, funniest thing in the world. And it was... Um, it was the cartoon, and I had written it down in the top. It was called Squan Dancing, and it was Swan's Square Dancing. And in the dream, I thought this was so funny. And then I woke up, and I thought, that is so stupid. I just, like, that is not a cartoon. But the idea that, like, I guess because I think about cartoons so much that, like, sometimes it crosses over into my dream life, right. you that's know. A, that's what makes it funny, though, you know, being so stupid sometimes. Yeah, yeah sometimes. That one, not particularly. I wonder though. if any huge ideas have come from dreams. I think I feel like um, B- Ben Stiller said that the concept for Zoolander came from a dream that he had. I bet they have. Well, I mean, science ideas have come from dreams. Really? Yeah. The, uh, I can't remember his name, he, but he, he was working on... Um, the structure of some kind of molecule and he had a dream of a snake eating its own tail and that was the structure basically the structure of the molecule or it was like two steps they just did a story about him on the news recently i believe uh yeah 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 do you when you dream do you dream as your your dreams as the characters in your cartoons or you dream as people moving around oh I mean, people moving around so there's no yeah. cartoon characters coming no, to life i've never had a, a, a cartoon question, that is a good question but no i've never never had a, a dream like in cartoon in, form in, yeah mm. huh. interesting mm. yeah i wonder what you have to like take or smoke in order to have these uh, effective dreams you know like yeah well dreams, dreams that that makes sense dreams are so much like drug experiences anyway yeah. i mean they're uh your mind your brain is working on a completely different you know channel mm-hmm. than everyday life although one thing that's weird i mean do you ever have dreams where like i guess they're called lucid dreams mm-hmm. where you say i know this is a dream but you keep dreaming yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that's when it's going good anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and you want to keep dreaming but like i mean have you ever had like the kind of dream where you're being chased and you're on top of a roof or something and you say to yourself, I'm going to jump off this roof because I'm in a dream and nothing will happen. And sure enough, you know, you jump and, you know, it's a weird thing. Well, I have those dreams where I can jump about 50 miles, 50, you know, 50, 100 feet or whatever, you know. Yes. You you can turn yourself into a superhero? Like the Hulk, you know, how he makes these big bounces into the air and jumps. Yeah, I have that too. Or sometimes like going down a staircase, like I like, leap down the staircase in like two leaps huh you know? do you i can't i can't turn myself into a superhero in my dreams i can't do it at will i yeah. mean it's just like a th- i don't think dreams are like I, I don't i don't know whether willing has anything to do with dreams they mm. seem to i'm not sure i mean they just seem to sort of happen they unfold kind of in in the way that they do, right, which is right. partly what makes them interesting. Yeah, but speaking, of, you know, you you had mentioned the um, drugs and everything. It'd be like if you're on peyote, yeah. what, what kind of visuals would you come up with? You know, yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah. whether like everybody would be oh, like in yeah. cartoon. I mean, I can't. I've never taken peyote. I've, right. You know, because they see they see characters. You know, some of these on, when they're on these some of these um, yeah 
mind-altering drugs. You know, they see things. So yeah, be interesting. What a car that would really probably really you really see some freaky stuff if you're a cartoonist. You already see cartoons in your head. Yeah, so to see even more, you know, be like, Whoa. I don't know. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Know. I've I've never taken um, a hallucinogenic drug, but I hear that um, it can bring things to life. And my friend who uh, took mushrooms or acid or something was looking at a at a comic book, and the comic came Did to it life. Did it come to life? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so. It would be kind of cool to do that yeah. with Roz Chast comics or cartoons. I, I haven't taken psychedelics since I was 21, uh-huh. maybe 20 or 21. Not in a very yeah, long yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, is this an exclusive? Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it could be. could be. Well, you know. Yeah, I mean, why not? I'm so old already. It's like, oh, yeah. No, I, it was a long time ago. I, and for, forgive me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I feel like uh, you and I are in the same. We're both like kind of in our heads a lot yeah and, um, yeah and uh sometimes that can get the best of us so i feel like a hallucinogenic for me would yeah. drive me crazy yeah well it i think it really depends on setting yeah probably mm. like mm. uh yeah, yeah yeah i would not want to be like on the you know on a subway Outside. platform <laughs> and <laughs> you know in the train well there's an idea for a cartoon yeah yeah <laughs> maybe you should do it just to get some inspiration oh god I'd have to have a minder with me <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. yeah well we maybe maybe one of these days we can yeah. we can all get well, together in a safe space <laughs> microdosing this <laughs> is like as we baby boomers age yeah. you know I think this is becoming you know we're just sort of like bringing it a little bit into the culture for like sure. You know, Man, I tell you, what, uh, this coming, you know, everybody's jewel now. Everybody's smoking uh, cigarettes in school. I mean, everything's. Is there oh. anything? Is there anything so controversial that they wouldn't let you publish in the magazines? Um, I tend yeah. to rely on my editors for that. Oh, I did some years ago. There's something with a the Pope on the jumbotron or something. I can't even remember what it was. And and they were like, eh, I don't think we're going to, you know, I think they had bought it and then they didn't want to run it. I can't even and remember. this is for the New Yorker? For the New Yorker, so yeah. So I don't think we mentioned this yet, but um, Roz Chast has been with the New Yorker uh, for how many years? Since 1978? A long time. <laughs> A long time. Long and time, sh- yeah. she doesn't know the answer to this, but I feel like you're probably one of the longest running. One of them. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't think I am the. I think you're also the most recognizable, uh, in my opinion, in my, <laughs> you know, in my peers' opinions, because every time I mention Roz Chast, they all know who you are. Mm. Um, mm. And, you know, but uh, but yes, yeah, so she she. So what what is uh, you're not full time with with the New Yorker, correct? No, th- I have a contract with them. It's first refusals, which means that when I do cartoons, I have to, you know, and it had uh, in some ways probably more relevance back in the day than mm. it does now because there were other markets. And, so, you know, there were other magazines. And so first refusals means that the cartoons that I do, the New Yorker has to see them all first. Mm. And then if they're rejected, I can sell them elsewhere. Got it, got it. So how many are you pitching a week? Um, between six and eight. And um, how, how many of them usually get uh, approved? If I'm lucky, one. Okay. Um, once in a while, I might sell two. Mm-hmm. Uh, often I don't sell any. Mm-hmm. It's just that's part of, you know, it's sort of a combination of freelance and not freelance, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And is it high stress still or yeah. at this point? Yeah. Oh, yeah, really? definitely. I mean, I still feel bad if they don't take anything i you know because i feel like i still every week i 
I try to do my best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they don't take anything, I, I'm sad. Is it rewarding when they do take? Oh, something? God. I mean, that's like the, the happiest oh, I am. Yeah, okay. Well, at you least know. you have, you know. Yeah. I mean, when they, if they take, you know, some, a cartoon that is like my favorite, especially if they take with the one that's my favorite, you know, I don't like to say that one is my favorite because then the others will get jealous. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there's usually one or two that I think are the best. And if they take that one, then I'm really happy, mm-hmm. you know. And what was the first cartoon that you did for The New Yorker? The first cartoon that they ever bought was something called Little Things. And it was very abstract and weird. And uh, out of all the cartoons that I submitted that first batch, it was probably the weirdest and also the most personal. Because it was a kind of uh, cartoon that was kind of drawing that you do when you're trying to make yourself laugh and for me it was like making up these little shapes and then kind of giving them like silly little names like you know draw this little like weird shape and then like (coughs) that's a chant you know you know nobody else will find this funny this is just like for me to make me laugh um and I just had sort of thrown it in there along with all these other kind of weird cartoons but this was the weirdest probably of the lot and uh when they ran that, a lot of people got upset. Really? Yeah, because it was so... This was 1978, and most of the other gags were, like, very straightforward, kind of like a cocktail party or a boardroom. And, you know, there's the drawing, and the drawing is really beautiful because these were, like, you know, older guys, and they were many of them were really highly skilled drafts people. And, you know, then there's the gag line in that italic type underneath. And this was just like, what the fuck, Mm. you know? And I didn't find out until later. uh, My editor at the time told me later that one of the older guys, and they were older guys. I mean, when I started, I was 23. And I was the youngest by 10 years and also the only girl. Um, And also weird. And, you know, just like a whole constellation of ways in which I was different but anyway one of the old guys asked Lee if he owed my family money (laughs) so yeah did they say why they picked that uh they never say why they pick something Mm. (laughs) and they never say why they reject it it's all sort of um I don't know tacit Mm. kind of go ahead did they ever let you know if you get mail about a letter, like how much people oh, might not like, I mean. Um, you know, back in the day, not so much, but sometimes like now they will post something to Instagram yeah. and because the New Yorker cartoons has an Instagram account mm-hmm. and I don't post my New Yorker cartoons to Instagram generally. I'll, I'd rather post, you know, other stuff mm-hmm. uh, to my Instagram. But um, occasionally I'll read comments you know, one uh, something, and it, and people will get upset. You mm. know, and it's funny. You know, because they'll m- so misinterpret yeah. something. I, I had done a cartoon called "Man Spreading in Art," <laughs> and it was things like, I guess, you know, like uh, one of them was like twelve hundred page novels, or uh, you know, a huge sculpture that. You know, well, I was thinking about Richard Serra, you uh-huh. know, in Tilted Arc. Mm-hmm. And, you know, huge, huge sculptures that, like, block out, like, light. Right. And that all the <laughs> people 
who work at this building now have to walk around your mm-hmm. huge fucking sculpture, yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah. And I got like when the New Yorker posted it, it uh, it was like, um, oh, so like nobody should write twelve hundred page novels anymore. And it was like, and it was usually the guys who didn't understand. It was like no, when when you are female. The fact that you're taking space up at all is you have to f- you have to feel that you are justifying every every page of that novel. You have to feel your or at least that's how I felt about it. Like every everything I do, I have to be able to back it up and justify it and because I'm taking up people's time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm or taking space, or space. Sculpture, yeah. Yeah, the same way, and it's this kind of like, you know, when I see like men sitting on the subway, or and women do it too. I mean, with their bags, you know, more with their bags than with their bodies. But the way men unconsciously take up space and don't even, they they're not apologetic about it in the way mm-hmm. that I feel like, you know, I'm sorry I wrote, I'm sorry this email is so long. I'm sorry, I'm talking so... I, even now, like on this interview, I'm, uh, there's a voice in my head that's like, you're talking too much, you're talking too mm-hmm. much. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Look, let the men talk, you know? <laughs> Which is like, this is conditioning, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what the cartoon was about. Not that nobody should write 1,200-page novels. Sure, and sure. they just totally... Did it, does it upset you when people don't understand it? Uh, it did, and then it didn't. Yeah. You know, like my initial reaction was like, Oh my God! Like you know, and and of course I blamed myself. I thought like, well, maybe I didn't make it clear enough. And then I just thought, oh, this is stupid, right? You know. But then you also got to think like this was approved by you know the great people at the New Yorker, so they probably you know get it. Get they it. got yeah. it. They got yeah. it. Right. And exactly. If they get it, then everyone you know then get it. you know this person who like didn't get it, they really can just go and make themselves yeah, I mean, an egg salad sandwich and you, fuck you, off. You've been doing this for so long. Um, you know, I feel like nowadays, at least in the past 10 or so years because of social media, um, haters have become a thing, you know, Um, especially with, you know, the New Yorker Instagram and and putting your work on their Instagram and, you know, putting it on display. So do you, do you see a lot of that? Um, I don't see as much as some people, I think, I think especially, you know, maybe because being an older person, you're already sort of relegated to the like, you know, who cares? Mm-hmm. But I think it, it's more sometimes for young younger people. Mm-hmm. They're more in that you know mix where no. they're going to get trolled. No, no, no. no? Well, because my favorite color is a schmutzer. because oh. <laughs> I'm a professional hater. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, yeah. you know, some guys just like to be mean. Yeah. People just like some people just like to be mean. You know, because they don't have any. They don't have anything else to do or something. Or anything interesting to to come back at you with you know yeah yeah it is very weird it's very i mean oh one one i i don't i don't even want to give them the credit to quote (laughs) them but you know of course the the thing about negative comments i think and maybe this is just human nature that like people can say all kinds of nice things about your work Mm -hmm. and it's just like yeah yeah thank you thank you thank you but like if somebody says something like mean mm. like i'll remember it oh, word course, for word yeah, that's, all, that's everyone <laughs> and yeah that's right right it's that's just everyone. like you know yep they see me for what i am uh, <laughs> yeah hey, but you know it's like it's like trying to get in touch with somebody when you try and call them they don't call you back when you send them an email you know hey they don't get in touch with you but then when you send them hey you know what you're a real 
dumbass or you whatever. Then, then well, why do you? Uh, then right, they get back right. in touch yeah. with you, you know? Yeah, yes, sure. it's true. It's yeah. like they, yeah. Yeah. it's weird. Hmm. So if you weren't a cartoonist, what would you be doing? Oh God. Uh, if I if I didn't. What else are you? What else are you good at? What else are you good at that could make you money? Nothing. 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 Same. It's what you were born to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I didn't have. I mean, I was like bad at. Um, I can't think of anything else. F- for real, though. I, for real. Really. I mean, writing, but that's part of cartooning. Sure. I mean. Um, what about? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess nothing that involves driving a car. Nothing that involves <laughs> driving a car. When did uh, you first start art? Uh, when I was really little, like a drawing, probably two, three. Drawing on the walls. Uh, paper, because my parents were teachers, and they were older when they had me, and I think that they were anxious people, and I didn't have siblings, and they probably they didn't quite know what to do with me and we we would go out to some place the Chinese restaurant on Coney Island Avenue and they would give me paper and a pencil and I would just draw and that's pretty much what I always did yeah you, know. you yeah. still have any of those drawings I have a couple yeah there was one in the yeah yeah the, the, the girl the, crying yeah, the girl crying yeah of course it was a girl yeah. crying too. yeah of course of course <laughs> in the in the restaurant huh <laughs> um I love your uh Marco books Oh, Marco. Marco is a, a little red bird. Is it yeah. modeled after a bird? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was my, my darling. He was a blue streak lorry, oh. a bright red bird with these blue iridescent feathers uh-huh. on his nape. Uh-huh. And he was a great, great bird. I had him for about fi- 14, 15 years. So Re- what made you want to make a children's book about Marco? Oh, he was just like... Not a book, a series. It was a series. He was just such... I. I saw him as like he was like a little boy in a bird suit <laughs> and he just he had baskets of toys well you saw them the, the birds play yeah, I yeah. mean he played with toys he, he he would you could roll a ball for him and he'd run and he'd f- on his little bird legs and run and fetch it in his beak and then drop it <laughs> and then you'd like roll the ball and he'd fe- run and fetch it and and uh he was he was just well one of the books is called too busy marco Mm because he was such a busy little bird you know he always wanted to play he wanted to do this and 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 also i have uh two little kids i had at the time two little kids now they're grown-ups but we used to have these insane conversations and this was probably the inspiration really for the book where i would come into one of their rooms and i would make sure my face was very very serious Mm. And I would say, you know, Ian, I need to talk to you about something. And he would get like a little bit like worried. And I'd say, no, listen, you have to stop what you're doing because I'm a little bit upset. And I, I don't really know how to bring this up, but, you know, I feel like I need to talk to you about it. And then he would get a little bit more like, okay, mom has something really serious she needs to tell me. And when I saw that he had been like pitched, and this happened I can't tell you how many times when he was pitched to that like level of like listening, I'd say picture Marco in a little graduation (laughs) gown and then wearing like a little graduation cap. And then in the tip of his wing, he's holding a tiny diploma. And, and this, we did this, I did this with him. I did this with my younger kid. Like, 
I guess they were like good kids because sometimes I'd, I'd have to like have a talk with them. But a lot of times it was just like, we need to have a talk. <laughs> we need to have a talk. Oh, and, and it was always like, picture Marco. And like one time my daughter actually said, she said, this isn't about Marco, is it? And, I, and she was starting to get wise to it. I said, no, it's not. And she, she was still, I said, okay, picture Marco. <laughs> <laughs> in a deep sea diving suit. Oh my god! And you know, like one of those bubbles. Yeah. And it like has like a space for the beak. <laughs> and I don't know. We would we would just have these insane conversations about the bird. They. I tell you what, the kids must have had some insane conversations about you after you <laughs> left the room. Probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> what are we gonna know. do about Marco? I know. I wow. know. It's like, oh, did she like talk to you about Marco again? <laughs> <laughs> My uh, yeah. my favorite Marco spread um, is uh, when he prepares breakfast for himself. Uh, and he has the, the bird seed sandwich, right? Yes. Or what was it? It was I like, oh. what was his meal? It was. It was bird seed. Was a bird seed sandwich like part of a grape? Maybe I can't remember now. Because <laughs> something, he, he something with ketchup, right? Oh yeah, I can. That was the one where Marco goes to school. Yes. Where he's in the little bird seat, like the child seat. Yes. In yeah, the back yeah, of the yeah. car, yeah, yeah. except it's sized for a bird. Right. And his mom, of course, is human. Right. You know, but like this is never, ever mentioned. The <laughs> fact that like he has a tiny lunchbox. Yeah. That was really fun to draw. Yeah. You know, and picturing him like holding the lunchbox was like fun. Have you ever considered turning it into like a animation, animation? type thing? You, know, you never really know. Animation is a whole other That thing. brings up something. Wait a minute. Now, you are a, you're a character on The Simpsons? <laughs> In Not a re- recurring. Like I, I was, yeah, it was one. She, was a, she had a cameo. I had a cameo. It was. But she was. She played herself. Yes. They simsified her on The Simpsons. Yes. Cool. Yeah. What was yeah. the episode about? It was really cool. It was uh, Lisa um, was having a hard time at school, and uh, she decides that she's going to do comics about it make a graphic novel about it but she can't draw so she writes the comic and Marge draws it <laughs> and uh, and then they wind up going to a graphic novel convention um, and uh, I was on a panel um, there was a, a Marjan Satrapi uh, she did a cameo also she's the one who wrote Persepolis mm-hmm. um, I think was it Linda Barry maybe uh, oh, Alison Bechtel, you know, from Fun Home, mm-hmm. was one person. And uh, we were like the panel on stage, and I was the moder- moderator of the panel. Welcome to Chicks with Picks, a panel discussion with women writers and artists. I'm your moderator, Roz Chast. You may know my New Yorker cartoons that are both funny ha-ha and funny aha. <laughs> <laughs> Silence! Joining me today are Alison Bechtel, Marjan Satrapi, and the creators of Sad Girl, Lisa Simpson. We love you, Lisa! And Marge Simpson. We're wasting time! And that was really fun. That's amazing. Uh, So, yeah, that was great. It was really great. Yeah. That would be a dream. It was. It was. Become a character on the What year was that? It was uh, la- 2017, so oh, it was... Oh, wow. Yeah, it was recent. Recent, yeah. Recent, wow. yeah. Nice. Was that, like, top five coolest things that have ever happened to you? Oh, absolutely. What are, what are some of the other four? Uh, definitely selling my first cartoon to The New Yorker, okay. which was entirely unexpected. Uh-huh. I mean, that was not... My parents subscribed, but I never thought... You broke the mold. I mean, you just brought in a whole new dynamic with that 
cartoon that you did because it's just something weird. I th it was very surprising to me. I think it was also, uh, and I tell this to young people that luck has so much to do with all of this. Like being, you know, th they maybe were, they didn't know I was female because I've always been sort of like, just from when I was a kid, I wanted to sign my name R. Mm. Uh, I mean, I have papers from when I was in sixth grade. I didn't sign it Roz. I would sign it R, Chast. Um, but I think when my editor met me, like maybe they were starting to think that maybe we should have a female, a woman on our staff here because there used to be female cartoonists at the New Yorker mm. back in the 20s and the 30s, you oh know. Wow. Um, but uh, by that point. Well, how did you get the job without them seeing you? You just submitted the I mail submitted, it in? yeah. There was a, a, they had a drop-off day. I called them up and found out that, I think it was at that time Wednesday, when people who were not on staff uh, submitted over the transom, you know, where you just drop off your portfolio mm -hmm. with uh, the uh, receptionist. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And then when I went back the next week, um, expecting to see a rejection note inside the portfolio, and I had, had plenty of those, uh, not from the New Yorker, but just in general, um, there was a note from Lee Lorenz, who was the editor, uh, to come back and see him. So mm. I did. And that's when he told me to come back, start coming back every week. Wow. The rest so was history. And for me, yeah. I mean, it was entirely unexpected. So um, have you faced any difficulties as a female cartoonist or was it fairly easy for you since you got in so quickly? I, I, the, the female thing is for some reason, it's just never something I thought that much about. Mm -hmm. I just didn't, um, which is probably, you know, speaks volumes about my own, uh, insecurities and, you know, no, whatever I, I just think it's like a like an actor being in it you, you, you know you, you, you transcend being a female actor or a male yeah. actor. you're just an actor right that's exactly right so like well, I don't think of myself as a female cartoonist mm. any more than you think of yourself as a male photographer right, right. or yeah. you know I just don't think about it uh, I never have and I just you know I don't I mm. just don't I think of myself as a cartoonist and I think of myself as me mm. and that's from the time I was a little kid, I remember thinking of myself, I'm just me, you know? So, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Mm. Where did the seriousness come into your cartoons? At what age did you start getting, like... I've always been... Ever since the girl crying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember being four years old and knowing the word anxiety, mm -hmm. except that I thought it was pronounced anxiety. So I can remember being a, a nervous anxious kid right. always always has, always, has always. the anxiety ever affected your work um i think it it's they're all com you know braided together mm. you know it's just part of what i i don't couldn't know how have one without the other <laughs> yeah you couldn't have one without the other i don't know how people go through life without anxiety yeah, yeah. i i have no idea uh there's a lot of a lot of people going through that right now, for oh sure. Yeah. yeah. Anxiety. Uh, anxiety, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, 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 there's more and less, but, I mean, especially now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, no, it's I, <laughs> listening to the news. <laughs> I was actually yeah. just on a podcast uh, for my friend, and 
um, the entire podcast just ended up being me talking about my anxiety. Yeah. Um, because I've suffered with OCD and anxiety for my whole life. And, uh, you know, it gets better and it gets worse. Yeah. And yeah. the day that I met, you know, her for the podcast, it was really bad. Like, you know, I had a little anxiety attack and I was just like, you know what? Like, it sucks that people are ashamed to talk about this, you know, or like yeah. turn it into something that's meant to be funny. Like, can't we just talk about it seriously for a second? Yeah. Um, so yeah it's a thing it's and, a thing but i feel like uh it's becoming less stigmatized which is nice yeah well i think when you realize you're not the only one who totally. i mean especially when i mean when i was a kid i always felt like the weirdo like i didn't understand how i think also because i was an only child and sort of my parents didn't really want me to play with other little yeah. kids that much um I didn't really understand other, you know, other people mm -hmm. that much and what they talked about. And I remember like trying, I would make lists. It's like, these are topic, these topics are okay. And these topics are not okay. And this is, uh, this is how much you talk. And then you have to let the other person talk. And this is, you know, I would like study, uh, you know, I mean, now there is probably some diagnosis for mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. but of course, back <laughs> in the day, you were just a weird kid, yeah. you know? But that's what people are doing now, having to watch what they say or yeah. what. You know, the same, the yeah. same list you have now yeah. more than ever. Then. Now more than ever because <laughs> of social yes. media and oh every, everything God. being filmed and yeah. documented. Yeah, I'm glad that I grew up when I did mm -hmm. because, yeah, right. oh, my God. I mean. <sighs> but when you submitted your work, it's good what you did when you did because the Internet wasn't available, so they couldn't see your profile to yeah. see that you right. were a female and, you know, right, all that. Right, right, yeah. yeah. It's, it's true. I mean, there was nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, what are some of your biggest uh, New York City pet peeves? Wait, wait, hold on a second. That was oh. two. There oh, was there's two. three more to go. Wait, these, wait, oh. two what? Uh, as oh, far he's as keeping biggest, track. Her, her, her he's big, keeping her track. Moments, you know, oh, like, yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's keep, you're keeping track. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, I thought we were going to get or, past that. Or the, yeah. or the, or the <laughs> other two. <laughs> wait, no, you're yeah, the other three. You don't have to name all five. You can, you know, maybe give me three or four. This is like work stuff? Anything. Anything. Having kids. Well, okay. Never mind. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. That doesn't count? So work related. Work related. Work related. Okay. Because you have to say the having kids answer. Yeah, except that's a given. That's a given. That's a given. I know. If I if I had my druthers, I'd like follow them around. Like, well, you can't see, but I have like my little paws. But I won't. I won't. I won't. Uh, work stuff. Yeah, selling a cartoon. Oh, having the show at SVA. I oh, swear good. to God, I know that sounds That was corny. such a great show. That was like, that show, The what they did was so extraordinary. The only thing that I was sad about was that it wasn't up longer. Yeah, it was pretty pretty short. Yeah. So actually, for, for those at home who don't know, um, Roz and I know each other because I was hired to make a film on her for this master's series that she had up at the School of Visual Arts, which was essentially this big, would you call it a retrospective? Yeah. Yeah, it was a big retrospective. Yeah. Um, had, uh, it, was, it was just so well done, had yeah. pretty much ev all of your work up in some form or fashion. Um, and, you know, generally when, when I go to things like that, especially openings, I'll stay for like, you know, 30 minutes. I ended up staying for like three hours, just like really looking at everything and, it's just great. They did such an extraordinary job. Yeah. And there were things that were in the show that I've never shown before, like sketch, pad f oh, yeah. sketch pads from when I was you know, a teenager yeah. and starting 
to become a cartoonist, yeah. really, and very heavily wi- influenced by Arkham and yeah. you know underground comics and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of like figures trucking (laughs) and the cross hatching and stuff Mm -hmm. like that it was also just so great to see the originals you know like some of my favorite cartoons were up there and you know yeah seeing i love seeing original cartoons i mean i have a couple of original helen hokinson cartoons Mm -hmm. and uh it's i like seeing original work i loved this one um Oh, yeah. You want to describe that? Oh, this was actually uh, an illustration. I did, um, I don't know if you know Stephen Merritt uh, from Magnetic Fields. He did a book uh, about two-letter words, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of like for Scrabble and word game people. And uh, so this one was for the word B. So there's like this kind of dorky (laughs) middle-aged couple. He's wearing like green plaid shorts and these like you know knee socks with Birkenstocks and he has a, t- a t-shirt that says be yourself on it because the word was be uh-huh. and he's with his wife and she's wearing an orange skirt with like turquoise flowers and she's wearing a pink t-shirt and she's looking at him with like contempt and she's like I'm with stupid <laughs> so um, what's for what's for I don't know I don't know. Do you collect art too? Yeah, I I collect I I collect um, original cartoons, but only I have a, a people's whose work I like, you know, and I do a lot of trading if I can, and uh, I have cartoon collections like books, old books, and um, you know, old Charles Adams books, and uh, um, yeah, I have two great. Uh, scarves done by cartoonists back in the 50s and some glassware, you know, Steig and uh, so yeah cartoon stuff. What's your favorite cartoon of all time? Not your own. Oh god. Charles Adams is probably, he's my favorite cartoonist and one of my very favorite cartoons of his is probably the Boiling Oil cartoon which is quite famous. It's uh it was a full ran full page in the New Yorker, I think, in the fifties. And originally, he wanted it; they were going to use it as a cover, but Harold Ross said it was too dark, and so they put it in the middle. And what it was, you know, the Adams family, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's the Adams family on the roof of their house, and they have a cauldron of boiling oil that they're tipping over, and it's Christmas time, and so it's this scene of these like cheery sort of like you know the snow is falling and there are these carolers singing in front of the Adams family house and all of them you know Morticia <laughs> and Gomez and Granny and Fester and Lurch and the kids are tipping this cauldron of boiling oil from the roof over on the carolers and the perspective is it's to die the whole mm-hmm. drawing is to die for the joke is to die for the whole thing just comes together mm. in this beautiful wordless way if you've ever like felt you know infuriated and alienated and depressed by like that kind of tinselly cheery icky thing this is like it's like the perfect drug to counteract that Hmm. just looking at that cartoon look into that yeah it's great just charles adams Adams boiling oil and you know it's one of his most famous my favorite cartoon at the moment is and I i know i'm not alone I know this is very unoriginal of me. Can you guess? Favorite New Yorker cartoon that's not a Roz Chast? Take a guess. Uh, who's the artist? 
can't tell you. That'll give it away. I have no idea. The, the tape dispenser one no. with Sam Gross? Fusili, you crazy <gasps> bastard. Oh, How are you? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Charles <laughs> Barsad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My girlfriend got me a framed uh, photo of that for yeah. or a framed print for Christmas. Yeah, that is great. That's I don't great. know why. What, I know. Can you tell me what makes it a good cartoon? Well, it's Assuming it, you like that cartoon. I love that cartoon. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's so simple. It's so... It's funny. It's just funny. <laughs> you should explain I, it I mean to the people that they know what they're, what's going on. Oh yeah, yeah. Here you explain it. Um, it's well, <laughs> fusilli is it's a type of pasta, I yeah, guess. Yeah, And uh, he's called up, uh, or he? Oh no, maybe he's rigatoni. Yeah, he's. Well, he's is or he rigatoni or? Or that's rigatoni, right? That's rigatoni, and he's calling. Fusilli. And he's got a big goofy face. Yeah, and he's calling his friend fusilli, which yeah. is another kind of pasta. So, so it's simple. You, yeah, you know? it's very There's simple. There's no deeper meaning, or no. maybe there is a deeper no, meaning. No, I don't no? think so. I don't think so. But wow. you know what E.B. White said about humor? He what said, did, what uh, did he say? Uh, "Dissecting humor is like dissecting a frog. No one cares, and the frog dies." Wow. So. Wow, I yeah, love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. What made you go to the New Yorker of all the magazines? That's a sophisticated magazine. Um, my parents subscribed, uh-huh. but the main reason was because they used cartoons. Mm. And I was selling cartoons at that time to the National Lampoon and to the Village Voice. And my dream was to become a cartoonist for the Village Voice. Uh-huh. But I thought, you know, I might as well try the New Yorker because they use cartoons. They're not going to take anything because my stuff i don't see it in there but you know they use cartoons so why not try uh that's what i what i meant when i said it was entirely unexpected because mm. i didn't go there thinking i hope they take something right. i went yeah. there just kind of because i thought i should try you know wow, wow. so yeah and the rest yeah. is history the yeah. rest is history well my history anyway it's weird history history so i want to i want to wrap this up uh sorry by yeah. hearing your top five biggest New York City pet peeves. Oh, brother. Oh, okay. It doesn't have to be top five. It could just be five I things. I hate when people block the sidewalk. Okay. Mm. That is just annoying and rude. Yep. You know? Um, I don't like it when people block the exits on the train. Okay. So just no blocking in general. No blocking. I think what it really comes down to is there's a lot of, there's a flow in New York. Mm -hmm. It's because it's, it's a small space and it's very crowded and to be unaware of the flow of traffic is a kind of selfishness and it fucks it up for everybody. Absolutely. You know, and it makes everybody upset. It makes everybody I know, I know that's your biggest pet peeve, right? Oh, my god! Congestion? Yeah. Congestion, yeah. yeah. Just staying outside the line so it slows things down. Yeah, yeah it's just, it's just mm. annoying. And it's not just... It's, it's just a kind of, like, blindness to everything that's going on around you. It's like people get off the escalator and then they stop at the top of the escalator. Mm. It's like, really? <laughs> like, you know, or, or you get up at the top of the stairs and you're going to check your phone, like, yep. at the top of the stairs? Like, you couldn't move... I'm Three feet. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. So that mm-hmm. kind of stuff drives me bats. You know. Other than that, there's. To me, I like living here because the car thing, for one, but and of many other. No, reasons. this isn't. This isn't meant to be. Uh, you know. No, no. There's reasons. About New York. Just, there's reasons. Yeah. You know. What about you, Tiger? Well, um, uh, first of all, I love this town, and I have. I I hate. I hate. I. 
have a lot of complaints about it though you yeah know? me too yeah, me too, yeah. But, but that's because there's a lack of common sense in the world these days where people just don't pay attention to the people around them to care enough about them you know and yeah. i shouldn't say that you know that no, all people are like but in general you know like you say they're blocking the way yeah the, the man spreading yeah you know, and all yeah. that kind of stuff you yeah. know yeah it's just like little things C- common courtesy common courtesy and just being aware well when my kids were little and they would be like just kind of like careening around bumping into things i used to say to them body in space body in space which was just like be aware of where what you what you're doing you know so i don't know no i agree um so my my girlfriend is an illustrator and uh we're putting together a uh brochure or pamphlet of underground etiquette for the subway oh so um we're gonna have like do's and do do nots yeah um all illustrated and we're just gonna print thousands of them and just leave them on the subway because oh, sub- subway etiquette is something that's very important to me yeah me too um, oh, me too. and yeah. umbrella etiquette too <gasps> yes people walk with their umbrellas so low that it, people have to dodge oh, them yeah that's gotta, a good one. hold them up high you know yeah i know just be aware yeah. be aware or turn it sideways yeah, yeah i mean I, th- I feel like that's the main thing is just be aware yeah you know i feel like if, if people were more aware it would eliminate a lot of uh, people's pet peeves about the city. Right? Yeah, I think so. Just be it's aware crowded. about everything. Aware about the aware about the environment. You know. Yeah. Taking care of it. Yeah. Not littering. Um, all right, Roz. Thank you so much for coming on the New York's Got Talent podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Of it's course, a Tiger. Thank you for co-hosting once again. Thank you for having me. Uh, everyone, be on the lookout for that Tiger Hood documentary coming soon. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a doozy. Um, and Roz, what do you got coming up? Uh, I'm working on stuff. Cool. <laughs> Good. Good. It's yeah. better than not working on yeah, stuff. Yeah. But before we go, I like what you do with your work, how, how you let other people be able to own it online by putting it out there. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. the Instagram stuff, you mean? Or yeah, what are you talking well, about? How people can buy your work. Oh, can yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Oh, they c- okay. yeah. On, on your website. Uh, not so much on my website. The New Yorker oh. sells, that they sell prints, I guess. Oh, cool. I like that. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Good. All right. Well, Ryan, go ahead and take us out. Awesome. Thank you so much. I didn't mean to end it out on your, on oh, the after, no, but no, I, mean, no, I just no, had to no, mention no. that, that yeah. people can own your work if they're listening, you know, yeah, yeah, that they yeah, can get yeah. it. Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Are longing to stray Right through the very heart of it, New York, New York. I want to wake up in a city that doesn't sleep and find I'm king of the hill, top of the heap. These little town blues. Are melting away I'll make a brand new start of it In old New York If I can make it there I